Hey, what's up, everybody? Dean Rogers here. Welcome back to the Dean Rogers Show. Today, I have got the OG special guest, Ron Legrand. Welcome to the show, Ron. My pleasure, sir. Hey, guys, welcome to the Dean Rogers Show, where we talk about real deals that we're doing and bring on awesome guests to talk about how they're finding success in their business to inspire and motivate you. Don't forget to like and subscribe. All right, see you on the show. <laughs> Thanks for being here. So I'm excited to talk with you today because there's so much golden information that I just simply am not understanding. I, I It's untapped for me. So I'm going to be leaning in, listening carefully to what you have to share today. Because as you know, I'm wholesaling, fixing and flipping, buying rentals, but you have a different strategy that I know you would argue is better. So I'm going to be listening very carefully to what you have to share today. So uh, let's dive right in. Let's first talk, Ron, how you got started in real estate, and then we'll get into what you're doing today. 1982, March 12th, I went to my first seminar. After I came home from my service station that I was operating, working about 14 hours a day, six days a week, burnt hands, greasy fingernails, and uh, you know I had I was pumping gas and washing windows simultaneously. Pretty much, uh, I had help, but you know I was doing all of the work in between. And I came home and Beverly, we'd already been married 17 years, and her washing machine was broken. She asked me to buy her a new one. And frankly, I couldn't buy her anything. We had, to, we had to go to the grocery store two or three times a week because we couldn't afford a whole week at one time. And we just getting by day to day, week to week, paying the bills, but they only when they rose to the top of the pile, you know? Yep. So I went to this real estate seminar and I got lit up and then I had to pay to go to a two-day seminar. And that really lit me up. And I came out of there and my, my first deal I did in three weeks, it was a wholesale deal. I like mm -hmm. your wholesale deals. Mm -hmm. Made $3,000 on it. And that was the huge beginning for me because that taught me I can do it yep. because I didn't believe I could, didn't believe I was worthy. And, you know, a little old me, I can't go out and make that kind of money. So it was, shortly after that, I quit my job, became full-time in real estate, which I don't suggest anybody do until they get enough income coming in to replace their source of income because that just puts stress on them. And it takes a while, as you know, to break into this business. Uh, there's some things you got to learn, but once you learn them, it turns out to be a real easy business. So I was buying houses as fast as I could go. I, I looked a couple of years and I'd already made it. I already been a millionaire on in equity, but wow. uh, hardly enough money to pay the bills. I had all these tenants and a lot of them were HUD tenants. I used to have dark hair back then. And, <laughs> and they took my dark hair away, dealing with all the HUD tenants and solving all their pathetic little problems, be, being their daddy uh, and chasing them for 10 or $15 that I had to collect as part of the HUD rent. And I learned some hard lessons, Dean, just like you did. It took me about seven years to figure out what this thing was all about. And um, and uh, so I was in it two years. Then I started selling all this crap that I built up in two years and this most so-called empire. And I get rid of it just to get rid of it because it was sucking the life out of me. It really was. And then I started learning more about the business. And I started uh, thinking about, well, maybe there's more to this. Maybe instead of getting a check, getting a check, getting a check, constantly have to work, never know when you're going to get paid. Maybe I ought to start keeping some of these properties so that I can get some residual income out of them. And today, 
That's exactly what I teach. I teach the opposite of what you do. You and I are in a two, there's an ugly house side of business, which is your business and most investors coming into this industry. Then there's the pretty house side, my business, the terms business, which has a lot of advantages over your side. Now I do them both today. In fact, I'm about to start a rehab on a house soon. In fact, I'm wholesaling a house as well, but that is very rare for me because my, my business is all about the terms. I buy them on terms and I sell them on terms. I don't sell them. I buy them on terms and I lease option them to tenant buyers mm. to keep the properties because most of them don't buy. Even after they give me five to 10% down for a non-refundable option deposit, so on a half a million dollar house, I collect five. I collect fifty thousand dollars for it to get the key. Wow! So when I get that property, I'll get it for little or nothing down, and you'd be surprised how many of them we get with nothing down, because of the scripts that we've developed uh, to get the seller to answer our questions instead of us making an offer. The sellers make us an offer, and I'll go through that script here in a minute and pretend that you're a seller if you want. Yeah. So I, I either I either buy them with owner financing which is a wraparound mortgage or a wraparound deed of trust if they have an underlying loan or sometimes they take them subject to. And every once in a while, we'll do a lease purchase with the option to buy so that we can put a tenant buyer in it and collect that same big deposit and give them the option to buy at a higher price. I want to own the house though, because when I own it, I get to depreciate it. And when you're paying the government a lot of taxes, that's a big deal. Uh, the debt pays down every month. I get that monthly cash flow out of it. I get that great big non-refundable deposit out of it. And then when they default, I keep that, that deposit stays with me and I can go do it again and get another big deposit. Because if they don't buy, they lose that money. It's not a security deposit, it's an option deposit. And in addition to that, they pay all, all, all any repairs they pay while they're in the house. I don't pay money for repairs while that tenant buyer's in that house. So I, I get all these advantages, I build wealth, because the longer you own a property, the more money you'll make. Unlike people coming into this business are trained buy, flip, buy, flip, buy, flip, buy, flip. They're building nothing but making money and they're paying maximum taxes on that. And if they're doing anything much, they're in the 37% tax bracket. And um, okay, might make a lot of money, but they're just not uh, looking at the future and they're not building any residual. Now I know you got about 60 rentals Mm -hmm. uh, how many of them are lease options? None of them. One of them is a seller carry, though. Make when it, you find out how much money you are losing, you're going to need a park <laughs> bag. Okay? I will never rent a single family house. Why would I rent a house and give away a $25,000, dollars $50,000 non-refundable deposit and, and, and I have to do all the repairs with my money? You know how many years it took me to figure that one out? 15 years. 15. Man, you're, you're I will never rent another house. You're getting I, me excited over here. You know now that 90% 90, 90 of my tenant buyers do not buy. That's what I hear. Uh, now, let me ask honestly, you this. I, yeah. If you get taxed on that deposit. Mm -hmm. You will because it's non-refundable. Uh, your CPA. But, you know, if that thing cashes out, uh, it's going to be adjusted then into long-term capital gains because it was part of that sale price. Check, check where your CPA on so you that. get to, you get to take it hold it spend it do whatever you want from day one but it's still on your books as a liability until they default no. and go away no, it's right? not a liability it's not a liability because ah, it's not it's refundable not clearly right, okay. spelled out in the option agreement which always closes with an attorney it's my money the day I get it 
if if they buy, it shows us a credit on their closing ah, statement. I don't go. take it to closing like a realtor would. Okay. If they don't buy, it's clear they forfeit. All right. Which is one reason we close with attorneys to make sure that's all spelled out in writing. And the property you have and own that you're lease optioning is a property that you purchase through terms. I purchased them through terms and I put tenant buyers in them. And you'd do the same thing in California, by the way. Okay. If you're you're using trust deeds and I'm using mortgages when I buy, I'll do a wraparound mortgage, you'll do a wraparound deed of trust. All right. So I have to go uh, find these sellers just as you do for the junkers. And I have to do advertising just like you. And I have to do things just like you. Now, our company, Global Publishing, uh, has a program to where our, our subscribers to our gold club for a lousy $59 a month, they, we get, they, they get leads every day in their inbox that a scouring service goes on 2,200 websites and finds uh, for, for sale by owners. But those are the low quality leads. They are the quantity leads. There are plenty of deals there. I just did a boot camp in Vegas last week. We, uh, we had 124 uh, leads from students uh, that we got a hold of by the phone, and we get 11 deals out of those 124 poor quality leads, okay? Wow. So what we what I try to teach my folks is, is make sellers call you instead of calling the people that advertise online. They're 10 times better sellers, uh, a lot less calls to make a deal, and the deals are good deals. And there's nobody between uh, you and the seller. So um, we, like you do, we got to generate leads. Sometimes we can we can do it for free. We can do it for a low budget. But of course, the more we can spend on that marketing, then the, the better deals we're going to get. Uh, just like you did. As a fact, I interviewed you here a short time ago. And the same thing happened to you. You started small. And then you started ramping up slowly, which is the way to do it. The yeah. way not to do it. If you got money, just go throw a bunch of money at it and hope it works. Okay. <laughs> get it yourself won't in trouble. Yeah. yeah. Like like we, we both said, it'll be yeah. an expensive educational moment. Yeah. It's just trying to help money you avoid away. that. Yeah. I've been at this 40 years now, starting my 41st year. And there's never been a year I couldn't buy a house. And I've been through six different cycles, 2008 being the worst. And I learned a very valuable lesson. People worry about all the stuff that's going on in Washington. They worry about what's coming up. We're going to go into a, get into a recession. And yeah, we are. There's no question about it. But the cool thing is I don't let people guarantee debt. I don't let them personally guarantee notes because there's three, three things you can lose when you do. Number one, you can lose your credit. Number two, you can lose your assets. Number three, you can lose your marriage because if it don't go right and you've got personally guaranteed debt and you're a slave to the bank, and that's where all your risk is. If we remove the uh, uh, reliance on personally guaranteed debt, uh, then we are building a business on non-recourse debt, no personally guaranteed money, nothing shows on the credit report, nothing shows on the financial statement, but we can build millions of dollars worth of assets with absolutely no risk. So if the market turns and the prices come down, so what? If you're not trying to sell it, you just waited out just like 2008. It took 10 years for us to get the 40% loss that we had in Florida. You, you didn't, guys didn't do bad in California in 2008. You weren't in the business then, but just like, just like that, after September of 08 and Lehman Brothers went down, the market went just like that very, very quickly. Yeah. And so it took a long time for that to recapture. However, there's no reason 
why one should worry about a recession if they have no personal guaranteed debt because people always need a place to live. No matter what happens out yonder that we can't control, no matter what the economy is, people always have to have a place to live. And here's one, Dean, you probably never heard anybody else tell you. The worse the economy gets, the better our business gets. Right. So I can't wait for this recession. I'm on because that changes the seller's attitudes. You know, they've been pretty cocky the last couple of years in the yeah. new buyer's market. <laughs> you can see that's turning around out there in California and it's doing the same thing here and all over the country and actually turning pretty quickly. So I see a huge, huge, huge market coming up, big advantages. So people that know what we know are going to take advantage of that and run toward the chaos and not run away from it. But it's a lot easier when you have no risk. If you don't have any personally guaranteed debt, and I don't buy properties that require me to write a big check. Three ways to lose. Guaranteed debt, write big checks, and make promises you can't keep. We don't make promises we can't keep. We don't lie, cheat, steal. We don't do anything immoral or illegal. In fact, we use attorneys to close everything. And so should everybody listening. Proper paperwork, keep you legal, get your documents straight. And uh, by the way, when you use attorneys, then you don't have comebacks from people that think you took advantage of them. All right. You know, we used to do in-house closing for years and years and years, and uh, we haven't done that in a long, long time. So anyway, if you put yourself in a position where you can't lose, it's hard to lose. So when I write a check, I might write a check for a down payment and closing costs because I'm buying a house, but I'm going to get several times that back very quickly. So if I'm buying a $500,000 asset and I got to spend twenty grand to get in it, I'm not letting anybody in the door for less than fifty grand. So yeah. that's all my money, less than what maybe I had to put out. And from that point on, I'm going to get that monthly residual between the rent and what I have to pay out. And that's what I try to teach people to build up. Okay, it's great to get those big checks. But when you get enough of that monthly in, uh, residual income coming in to surpass your current income, now you can go to bed and know that if you don't get up in the morning, it's still going to come in. If you want to take a month-long vacation, that month is still going to come in because people are going to pay their rent. And how do I know this? Because I got a bunch of lease option tenant buyers, and if they don't pay their rent, they lose their option deposit. Man, so that's good get, right there. That's that's the feet to the fire. I, I didn't have one bit of trouble during COVID with all that moratorium on rents. Uh, nobody called me, but if they called me, I said, no, you don't have to pay your rent. I understand, but I can tell you when this is over, you're going to be moving out of the house because you're going to lose your option deposit. I didn't get a chance to tell anybody that because none of them called. <laughs> okay. All right. That was a long answer to a question I can't even remember. Dean. <laughs> no, you, I mean, you just, I didn't want to stop you because it was all the good stuff that I wanted to hear. So um, when you get into these lease options, okay, um, that you're selling, um, like you can start, what, what, why are the sellers, why are the sellers doing these lease options? Is it just because they're not, I'm buying it from the seller with owner financing. Ah, with owner financing. Okay. I'm putting the lease option to buy the house. You're probably doing subject to deals as well, right? Where you're keeping the mortgage in place. I'll do subject to deals only on two occasions. One, if the credit is so screwed up, they ain't never going to want to go get another loan. Or two, if I'm buying from the children and the parents are dead and the loan's in the parent's name. I don't like subject to. Subject to has become a national phenomenon. It does not do any good for the seller. It does bad for the seller. And I'm going to predict right now here in public that it ain't going to be long. States are going to start outlawing subject to. 
Because if you sell me your house subject to, and I don't pay you, you cannot take the house back. I don't owe you any money. You can't take the house back. And, and the loan is going to stay in your name. And so there's nothing you can do to get the house back. And on top of that, that payment will show on your credit report. So if I if you sell it to me subject to, you can't show that you're getting income to cover that payment. So you, you will not be able to go qualify for a loan because it'll kill your debt ratio. But if I buy it on a wraparound mortgage, you can show that you're getting enough money to offset that. And then if I don't pay you, you can foreclose on the property. I teach people to use wraps. Stay away from subject to in most cases, because frankly, it don't cost much more to buy it on a wrap than it does subject to, but it does the seller a huge uh, favor. And the seller, see the problem, Dean, is that investors don't tell sellers the risk when they sell subject to, okay? They, they don't none sit there and explain. Them, yeah. nah, none of them, okay? They don't sit there and explain the risk. Uh, but then later, you know, they find out they can't get another loan or, or whatever, uh, you know, they kind of get upset. So I buy them on a wrap because it's better for them. Okay. Not better for me. It's better for them. But you said you did seller, you know, owner financing. So mm -hmm. does that mean a majority of the properties you're encountering are free and clear? No, no, I do wraps. Okay. You, do wraps. you owe 300 and you're selling it to me for 400. I'll give you a $400,000 wrap around mortgage that wraps around you at 300. Gotcha. And then I'll make the same payment. I'll make the payment to the bank, same payment you're making, except I'll be making the payment on the 300, not the 400 because right. of a clause I put in the contract that says the amount of principal and interest on the wrap will equal the amount of principal and interest on the underlying loan. Mm -hmm. And then there will be some term by which that hundred is due. And most of the time we pay the loan until the loan expires. And then that hundred is due at that time, which could be 20 years from now. Mm. And, uh, you know, all with the seller's consent. So that's what I, that's what I call these. I call them the golden geese because I got a nice property, good area, I got some equity in it. I mean, we don't steal the pretty houses for the most part. We ain't getting them for 60 cents on the dollar. I don't care. It's all about the terms. So if I buy a $500,000 house and I get it for four seventy-five dollars uh, with little or nothing down, and I'm going to get a low payment because the interest rates now are low. They're just starting to raise them. And then I get it for uh, the whole term. Uh, you know, So in other words, I'm in it for the long term. So if I'm getting $500 a month positive cash flow in this thing, and them golden geese are laying these golden eggs every single month, and I don't do anything but collect rent and make the payment. Of course, I don't do that. I got people to do that. And the house goes way up in value, way up in value, and the debt goes way down until it's free, until there's no debt. Uh, uh, so, you know, you build wealth that way. And, uh, you know, we're not going to get the appreciation we've been getting going forward, but we're always going to get the debt paid out, and we're always going to get the cash flow. So where do you do these deals, Ron? Are you doing them in just one market? Are you doing them nationally? What's where, where I'm doing, doing nationally with students, student partners around the country. Uh, they're in our mentoring program. And then I do them here locally. I got a little group here locally called the American Homebuyer Society, which is a group of people that goes out and generates leads at their own expense, brings them to me. And we take over and I buy the houses and pay them to, to do it. And then ultimately get them, train them to a position where they can go do it on their own. And frankly, I've, I got two deals here sitting on my desk that uh, we're working right now, which is one of them. This thing ain't but uh, three weeks old and we're already getting deals, contracts. So I'm looking forward to getting a lot more of them. So I'm basically having these bird dogs go out and bring in leads. Yeah. And they've got to bring in quality leads, not people listening on the Internet. Uh, we'll buy some we'll buy some houses in this group. That's awesome. 
Yeah. Yeah. So, so let's uh let's let's talk about that. So you've grown an amazing network and community over the years, right? You're doing mm-hmm. coaching, you're helping students learn this, right? Mm-hmm. And I want to learn more about it too. Um, how how can people go find out more about this? Well, they can go to ronlegrand.com forward slash dean. And that will take them to a hour and 15 minute online training. And I go from beginning to end on terms, all the steps are involved, how we make the money. And then we do a Q and a after that uh, is over and it's free. So uh, ronaldgrand.com forward slash Dean, we put Dean in there. So we know that came through your podcast. <laughs> right on. Cool. So all, all the deals you're doing are all on terms Mm-hmm. buying it from the seller well, and then almost, mm-hmm. almost all. And then you're doing lease options with basically how your exit strategy is a lease option. You're collecting mm-hmm. a down payment and getting cash flow. Where mm-hmm. are you finding these, these buyers, right? Where are you finding these people that got $50,000 to put as a down payment, but they're well, not just going and buying another house. Well, what I didn't tell you was that uh, people that can qualify for a loan don't come to me. Yeah. I get all the people, I get the 70% of the people wanting to buy a house that can't buy a house through the bank. They can buy a house through me if they got enough down and can show me they can make the monthly payment. Now, I hope their credit really sucks, sucks bad. Because <laughs> honestly, I'm not really interested in selling the house. If they fix what's broken, they got plenty of time. Uh, if they fix what's broken, they want to go to the bank, then they can buy the house. Uh, I'm happy for them because they, you know, they did what they're supposed to do. But truth is, 90% of them just won't do it. Dean. They live there a couple of years and move on knowing they're going to lose their deposits and uh, they come up with the money remember they can't qualify for a loan i'm the only way they're going to get into a house of their own so it's a great opportunity for them if they just follow through and i don't know people get money from different places i don't know but the american dream of home ownership is really really strong they will find a way to get money uh, to get into a house if they see a chance to do it without qualifying at the bank yeah so these mm-hmm. these deals then, um, as these people are um, buying these properties, right? The option to buy it, the lease option. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, are how how long are people typically staying in the property until they just pretty much something happens in life and they just kind of you know decide to to take well, you know move I- on. That depends. Um, usually they're don't stay in there somewhere between the second and the third year. My, I don't give them more than two years on the option, but I ain't putting them out. Okay. I'm not ever putting them out. Okay. I got tenants been in houses 11 and 12 years. One of them paid off my house for me 11 or 12 years and they do all the repairs. Even after the option expires, they're still doing the repairs and their rent's always on time. See, I don't worry about tenants not paying me the rent. And it's got to stick. To, it's got to. I got to get that in the head of our listeners. They got a great big deposit at risk. They got too much skin in the game. They got to pay me the rent, or they're going to lose all that money. Yeah. And the ability to buy the house because my option agreement clearly says if you default on the rent, you're defaulting on your option. So and they I, they have only two years to buy it at the end of the uh, second year, or could they buy it in year five, six, seven? To be honest with you, I don't care. They never come back and say, "Can I extend the option?" They just keep paying the rent. Okay. I'd be happy to extend it. I'll probably raise the price if the price has gone up. I don't want them to buy the house. I'll I'll leave them in there as long as they want to stay and as long as the rent comes in. Mm. It's entirely up to them. But a lot of people, I just think of the reasons why people default. Uh, divorce, loss of job, loss of income, 
got to move out of town, sickness, death. There's a tons of reasons. Now, nobody's going to give me $50,000 if they don't intend to buy. But do we always get what we intend to get? Of course, the answer is no. Things change, times change. Uh, and, uh, you know, they made a good effort at it, but they just didn't. Frankly, I don't put anybody in a house that can't fix what's broke within a year or two. I mean, the credit, you know. I got a guy that'll clean their credit for $99 a month for six months and raise them score 70 to 100 points. It's not hard to get the credit cleaned up, as you well know, but they just don't take time to do it. They don't put any effort, a lot of them. Now, the higher price house and the more you get down, the more likely they're going to buy. But yeah. you would be shocked at how many don't buy, it, even when we're great big old deposits. I'm putting somebody in a million dollar house, Dean, like you've got out there, tons of. I ain't letting them in with less than 100 grand. Sure. You might say, you might be saying, well, if they got a hundred grand down, I know they're going to buy. Well, that's just because you haven't done it long enough because the same things happen to these folks that happen to the lower houses and they walk away from these big monstrous deposits and they don't get a refund. Make that very clear. But that's yeah. just one of the income streams. Now compare that to you rehabbing a house. How much do you make when you rehab a house on the average? Well, right now it's, Anywhere between thirty fifty thousand dollars. Recently, I put a I put a tenant buyer in a house for three eighty five, and they gave me a they gave me a fifty thousand dollar non refundable deposit. <laughs> I bought the house nine and nine days later, I got the deposit. I want you to compare that to a rehab. Yeah. I did not touch the house. Okay. Yeah. Came ready to sell, so I don't have all those months and months of waiting, dealing with contractors, raising the money. And all the things that can go wrong. I'm sure they never go wrong in your business, but Murphy was at every house I ever rehabbed. And I've rehabbed over a thousand houses. But when you compare rehabbing to the pretty house business, kind of lose interest in rehabbing. Yeah. You're, you're, uh, you're preaching, you're preaching to me and, and speaking to my heart. Um, so the, the interesting thing is, is, you know, we, we do what we call wholetail deals where we'll mm -hmm. buy them and we'll do nothing mm -hmm. to them, right? We got one that's in escrow right now that's going to close. We're going to make $95,000. We had one we closed a uh, month and a half ago, made 147000 Obviously, those are big numbers. Those aren't every day, all day. But we've, we've got another one in escrow um, that we're about to purchase should be about 100000 So I've been fortunate. There's been some newer opportunities that have come up that are bigger ones. But Sounds like you're more regularly doing it with doing basically no work, kind of like a wholesale deal, and you get to keep it and collect the rent. So my next question to me, just a curious mind, thinking how this all logistically works together. So you get the property on terms, you're then lease optioning the property. Is there how quick does that process go from getting it on terms to then finding? that new buyer who's lease optioning it. In all my years that I've been lease optioning properties, we never had trouble finding people with money to lease option a property regardless of the economy. Hmm. And, I, and I'm telling you, the harder it is to get a bank loan, the easier it is for us to find these folks, even if they can qualify and they got enough money down to suit me, and then I'll put them in the house. But honestly, I'd rather they can't qualify because then I know I'm going to keep, keep the house a long, longer time because they're going to have a harder time getting through the stuff that they got to fix. It doesn't take long at all. Uh, it's 10 times easier to sell a house on terms than it is for all cash. Now, you're not having any trouble wholesaling houses. I mean, I've never seen a market like we just came through on that in all my 40 years. Uh, but because there's so many greater fools out there that will overpay for the house because they haven't had any training 
as well, but that's okay. We take advantage of that. Um, that's changing rapidly, but there's they're putting people in a house of their own to live in. See, I only sell to owner occupants. I don't deal with investors in the pretty house business. Uh, so we're dealing with owner occupants. Uh, by the way, do you know the word, where the word hotel came from? I don't, but you might tell me it came from you. It did. <laughs> most of the words, most uh, of you know where the word, you know where the word term "arv" came from. Which one? Arv. Uh, Arv. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Came from me. I invented That's most me of this too, crap. Huh? I should be getting royalties on it. Yeah. But That's I'm not. <laughs> All right. What else do you want to know? Since we're about out of time here. We're about that time, but man, um, I guess the only question I have is when I'm going to come sit next to you and look over your shoulder and, and see all these deals you're doing because you're getting me excited. It, I feel like you tell me, uh, is there like a, a perfect market to do it, an ideal market to do it? Or can you yeah. just do this just about darn near every, anywhere? Yeah. The perfect market is where you live. Yeah. And, and if it won't work there, it won't work anywhere else. And if you, know, and if you don't <laughs> think that's true, then move. It'll work as soon as you move. That's funny. Everywhere in the United States, that people have houses where people live in houses, people need to sell those houses and other people need to buy those houses. That's not going to change. Now, the dollars change. All right, your dollars are much higher in San Diego than mine are here in Jacksonville, Florida, but I can tell you we're going to do the exact same things. But the good news is you're in a higher dollar market. You get to make more money per deal and your seller, your buyers are programmed that they got to pay more money to get in the houses. You have, you have an advantage because you're in a higher dollar market. So uh, it doesn't make any difference where you live. So I got to ask it does you make a difference then. on how much you make per house. If you live in the really small markets in the Midwest or whatever, dealing with low priced houses, you got to make less money. You just got to do more of them. So one last question for you. What's your favorite price point? Do you have a favorite price point? Like, hey, I, I, I see the there's more opportunity and yeah. my bread and yeah. butter and this Depends. price point. What side of the business? If I'm doing what you're doing, low-priced houses is all you're going to buy. That's where the money is. Yeah. Terms, I want to go from the median price and up. Yeah. I don't care how far up to a point. Uh, where you live, my target would be houses from 300 to 1.5 million. And that's about the same where I live. I know your $300,000 house two years ago was about a $200,000 house. Uh, it went up so fast. So uh, if you're looking for junkers, stay down low. You're looking for terms. I, I teach people go down to the low price houses to start getting terms because you're going to get deals. People that are living in low price houses get into financial difficulty a lot faster. Yeah. People who live in the mid to higher price houses can sometimes fix those problems. But trust me when I tell you, I mean, I just looked at a house yesterday, $520,000. Did I lose you? Oh, $520,000 house that I'm looking to buy. That thing is uh, being foreclosed on. The guy hadn't seen it in three years, got a divorce, he got the house and uh, I'm gonna buy it. I'm gonna buy it on terms. I'll probably get $150,000 equity in that house the day I buy it. And it don't need the $10,000 worth of work on it. Mm. So what do you think I'll do? I'll buy it and pay closing costs on it. And uh, if I have to pay him any money, I'll make him wait on it and, and turn it around. And by the way, when I put a house on the market on lease purchase, I never put, I never asked what the house is worth. I always raise, I always raise the price. A house that I'm selling on terms is worth more than one that you would get appraised. True. And the buyers don't care about the price. And in this past market, we're raising the price as much as 10%. So a $300,000 house is now $329,900. And they're gone just like that to the ones who have money.
Hmm. Anyway, come come see. You'll love the love the terms business. Teach me Yoda. Teach me. <laughs> well, you better um, get you better get Yoda ways here. It's, it's going fast. <laughs> Awesome. Well, hey, Ron, so much value. I'm I'm excited to learn more about it. Uh, again, for those of you uh, that, that want to learn more about it, you can go to ronlegrand.com forward slash Dean. Uh, go, you know, an hour long program to learn more about it. So hopefully that's valuable to the listeners here. And uh, Ron, look forward to seeing you soon. And you. Um, everybody else, appreciate you watching. Until next time. Peace. Thank you.